I know now what I want to say in my intro for my podcast. I'm going to start with a warning to other creatives. Create like it's your last podcast, last graphic, last painting, last blog post. There's so many forces out there that want us to be bland, and that is not possible with this fro. I have too many thoughts about celebrating us, reading what I want to read, pointing out donkeys, what links us together and shouldn't tear us apart. I also give you bonus content through Ten Fro's Bar on my Patreon and if you become a melanated nerd. I also will share content about getting the real tea on reality TV. Join me in this episode of Tim Fro is reading for the wild ride. And thank you for listening. It is so weird to me to be up over 300K total. I still am getting comments and people are leaving commentary on some of the podcasts or some of my episodes from previously. I wonder if they're even going to notice if I don't publish anything for, I don't know, I'm getting ready to go offline uh, the second week in October. I'm getting ready to end the season and just come back in 2024 with plans of talking about other things. Um, I plan on starting to get true treatment for my bad knees. I got the radiographic evidence that my knees, both of my knees are fucked up. (laughs) Right knee worse than the left, but I'm encouraged about getting out again and walking and being able to fit into a first class seat. Um, reading about some of the uh, Spanish-speaking operas from the Met, planning on going up to New York if I can. Oh, that would be kind of dope to be able to dress up and walk in and to see this young woman perform. Probably not having enough of pain control to walk through the Metropolitan Museum of Art, but also planning on taking a look, a gander at the museums. I'm having to make these types of plans and travel because my TV watching has come to an abrupt end because the strikes are still ongoing. Writers and actors and I'm going to have to make up my own stuff in places like New York City, even Houston and L.A., going to Vegas, rocking up. Ooh, I could be on a scooter and rocking up like those old people up to the slot machines and just playing and just being in the moment. Getting back into traveling is one of the things that you can do when you're not stuck to a desk, when you have disposable income, and you could use it on what you want. And I think it's going to give me 
enough of possible possible creative uh, inspiration to be able to use it on next year's podcast. How about that? Butterfly in the sky, I can go twice as high. Take a look, it's in a book, a reading tin from I can go anywhere. Friends to know, ways to grow, a reading tin A reading tin from a reading tin from not what your podcaster can buy of your services. Ask what you can do to increase patrons listeners, advertiser to the podcast. Why am I saying all of this? I'm gearing up for the finale for this show. And also I am getting some encouragement and inspiration from a book that I received for my birthday, Natalie Bazile's We Are Each Other's Harvest. She is most noted for her being the author of Queen Sugar of the same name, the series. The book first, best-selling book as well as the series that was until recently on own uh, by Ava, the great Ava DuVernay. She is an inspiration. And this book, her next endeavor, is a celebration of African-American farmers, the land and the legacy. She her, she actually has ties to Louisiana. Her father basically escaped, was one of the last to leave during the Great Migration, and ended up in South California, where he basically, in pure American dream style, provided medals for the aerospace industry. And she worked for him right up until she started, decided to become a full-time author and write Queen Sugar. But his ties to the land, he, was, he lived through so many things, like uh, working in a gas station, getting rubber poured on his feet and set on fire by white racists. And she, unlike other African-Americans that would send their kids back home she never had that. She did not rediscover her ties and her connection to Louisiana until she was well into adulthood and actually writing this book. So in the, the connection that she writes about, that is all through this book, the perseverance, the, the need to be sustainable against the eye is a connection to the land itself. And our connection to the land, our connection to the roots of this country and building this country 
even in spite of people trying to extinguish us and distorting our contribution to that history is just crazy to me. I have a connection I didn't realize until several events happened with my father's death, selling this house, having a connection, and then thinking I had a connection with his extracurricular kids and then finding out didn't that we that that connection was only fleeting but knowing and the importance of ownership working hard having something in your name that's actually free and clear that actually increases in value and you can use the value in it to either build your business up or to do other things it increases in value just on your own if you don't make any improvements to it. But then you make improvements to it and it also will increase the value and it stays with the property itself. That's how you, land ownership is a part of generational wealth. That's part of the American dream that it seems like everyone, the powers that be, racism tries to not allow persons and people and women and of color not to have. And they basically distract you with fine goods and other things that have, that don't retain their wealth, that don't retain their worth. But you spend time and energy pursuing those things. And it keeps you from being something that's more permanent and also, again, will increase your ability to not only provide for yourself, but for your kids a source of a source of permanence and income people always to ask me you know like i'm like i don't really have there's the way my house is set up now and some of the improvements that i plan on making i really don't have to leave unless i really want to my house is at once a sanctuary and it's a buffer against harder times because of built-in equity etc I'm glad I'm not being forced to move. I'm glad that I can make this note every single month. All of these things are, are brilliant and have, and make me feel and allows, and I have the ability to be allowed to become more financial stable. And that's the thing that actually makes it, you know, makes it a lot more easier and make, can make you relax a little bit more. I'm such a, oh, I'm actually looking, the things I'm looking forward to, not just going out to dinner to see people, but also basically getting awesome cookware so I could continue to make great meals with the stuff that I'm actually raising on my porch in containers. I spent this past weekend making my own fresh tomato soup and grilled cheese, grilled, well, grilled bacon and cheese uh, sandwiches. And it was so good. And then I took a nap. And that's a great weekend to me. Every weekend should be like a staycation. You should be able to just exist and to be relaxed in your home, own home, not have to worry about flooding, not have to worry about pestilence, but to be able to enjoy the fruits of your labor. And that's what it is about, a connection to not just land ownership, but home ownership. But if you also have land or you can raise your own, have your own bit, 
and decrease your carbon imprint and create great foods and stuff that you can share with other people. That's what it is. It's a connection to your past and a, build, and a way to build community. Every time I talk about all the pickles that I'm, are, I'm actually making from the cucumbers that I'm raising from my lettuce grow, I feel good because I talk about it with my sister and we talk, we plan meals around what we actually can grow out of our gardens. That's a way of connection. That's a way to build relationship and that draws people together. So I implore the listening audience to take one note out of my book. They can actually use my lettuce grow coupon to get a percentage off of their because that connection that's associated with growth, growing your own food is a connection to our past, our glorious Argarian past, as well as a connection to other people that actually share the type of things that you, that they, people, there's a whole community of people that are doing the exact same things, whether they have a couple of chickens that they're raising in their own yard in the city, community garden enthusiasts, as well as people that do it out of necessity because every grocery chain is not created equal and you shouldn't have to pay. I made the tomato soup. I looked at if I use, bought the same amount of tomatoes from Walmart that I used to make my tomato soup and I put had some to put away, the same amount of tomato, just the tomatoes is like $8 for vine ripened tomatoes. The tomatoes that I picked off of my vines off the back, 15 cents, if that, for the all two pounds of tomatoes. So with that said, look into what you can actually grow. All my fresh herbs I grew from the plant that are still producing. I'm excited about how I'm going to protect them um, with probably with hay and some other things, the in the herbs anyways, and look for new ways to continue this alkaline diet and vegetable decreased carbon imprint lifestyle that I'm living on this part of Barton. And check again, check out my coat for on for the gurneys as well as for lettuce grow in the podcast notes. It's my homegirl Laquita J L Moore Najee. Lift every chair and swing Till all them white folks scream Thought y'all could run up on our black king I'm glad the squad pulled up Dedicated to knock if you buck May it resound loud as the rolling sea. Throw your hats high in the air until up comes with the chair. Swim the seas until our cousins come and they rescue me. Let this be a lesson to y'all. Remember the Montgomery brawl where white folks fucked around and they found out. I believe that 
this episode of Woke History, um, it spins from a story that I saw first on Instagram. I guess it's Woke History and Pop Culture because I, this is one of those raised chair moments that I think most people don't realize. There was a story that was circulating that almost broke the internet and and, and pulled in Simone Biles. Uh, but I actually had, but ended up m making me having a moment of clarity because of racism that still exists today, even across the pond and looks at racism as it pertains to gymnastics in this country. So last year there was like some gymnastic competition in Ireland and we clearly see all of these uh, contestants lined up on stage. Little Susie, Little Susie, Rashida and them, Little Susie, Little Susie, because that's how they gave out the medals, completely skipping over Rashida, and that's not that little girl's name, and I don't know her name, I'm sorry, but this, this is how blatant it was. Just clearly walked past her, these, all these little girls are lined up, walked past her, and then came up with some BS explanation of how and why they skipped over her. You didn't skip over the other 511 kids that were up there. Why did you thought it, think it was okay to flip over? Probably that girl was probably the best out of all of them, but you clearly skipped over her. And for what reason? Except that you thought it was okay to ignore like she wasn't there. A year later, somebody calls them out and then they rush to investigate offer a lame-ass apology, and then they said they rectified the situation, which should have ended in that person being terminated and publicly shamed. But the internet does what the internet does, and I believe he did. So with that said, I then realized that that's probably not the first time that happened and it probably won't be the last time but it was great that we found we had it on video and everybody persecuted them like they should have been and i'm sure it's still going on i mean look at this country we didn't have a real competitor a black gymnast to compete on the world stage until 81 when Diane Durham became, when she won junior elite and she was supposed to participate, wait a minute, back up, excuse me, Lucy Collins at the age of 16 was, was the first black gymnast that was supposed to, on a world stage. She's the one they sat her, she got, had to sit down in 1980 because that's when we decided to boycott the Russians for the Russian games. And then when she, when she was supposed to come back, she had a career ending injury at 18 and then she would never, wouldn't compete again. But her dreams 
she felt her time to compete on the Olympic stage passed her by, but I wonder what she thinks of the 26-year-old Simone Biles still setting records and still in their face with it and still winning championships. Completely different now, completely different bodies now and strength now. Then Diane Durham, she wouldn't become a national champion again and then win the all-around in 83, and then she would take on She joined the 1984 Dream Team, but then she actually ended up withdrawing, even though she had a knee injury. So I don't think she would actually compete. Then we had Don Foster, elite gymnast uh, from Alabama at 13, who became a member of the NCAA Alabama's elite gymnastic championship. Betty Aquino, I remember. Some of these people I remember. And of course, the dynamic Dominique Dawes. I love to watch her tumble. And then I swear Gabby Douglas is my cousin and them, but she's a little nuts. And she's supposed to be, she was a part of the many people, including Simone Biles, that went on to share their story about being sexually assaulted by Larry Nasser. And then ending with Biles, who actually, who still is breaking all kinds of records, even though she, I think she left the Tokyo, took a break, got married, and then still came back, winning all around. I think it's dope um, that, and she's basically still changing the game of gymnastics. She offered the parent, when this actually happened to that little girl in Ireland, the parents of them reached out to Simone Biles and being the game changer and world changer that Simone Biles is, she basically reached out to them and said, no, racism is not acceptable in any, anywhere at any time. And I can't even imagine the, what she actually had to, what she um, went up against. And seeing this little girl in 2022, under being subjected to this type of overt racism is just crazy to me. It's not acceptable. And you gotta be called out for it. And you gotta know the history so you can, so you know you won't continue to do some of the same dumb shit. I'm hopeful that this little girl has getting all kinds of good support from people that if she still is competing and she's still persevering, in, in spite of the stupidity of this one person. His, that, the person that basically slighted her, they are not going to forget that time because she could be the next Simone Biles, Coco Golfs, the same people that treat and slight people just because of the color of their skin and they think they're getting away with it. The haters are, these types of people I consider haters, and when they hate, you just has going to have to continue to hate or you continue to celebrate. But the more you hate, the more the type of people get. So the kids, the person that is the hate is directed against is going to be celebrated. So that's why I think we're going to turn racism on its ear. 
when you point it out for what it is and people and person that it's directed against, that's how they're going to elevate. Take that hatred and do something positive with it. And that's, I think that's the whole thing about woke history, pointing out instances of racism, but then also seeing how people persevere and elevate from that persecution is dope. So breaking news, read all about it. The WGA breaks the strike by reaching a tentative deal with the Hollywood studios. Why is this so important? Because this is also the season where we're supposed to get really good shows or some really good or premiere of some really good shows that have actually put like our our like creative geniuses. We got people like Kid Fury from the Read podcast, Issa Rae, that are doing great things in the television sphere. And also, I want to see what happens next on Abbott Elementary. They had a wonderful year, many awards, all of that ground to a heart, halt when in May everybody went on strike. Not just the writers, but also SAG. I'm hopeful that this tentative agreement will extend to them and everybody can actually get back to work. Not just the writers and the actors, but everybody that's associated with those productions. And this comes right on the hill. Uh, The Venice Film Festival actually happened and in its 80 year history, the only person of color, a person of color and a black woman uh, Ava DuVernay was selected to screen her film at the, the 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 festival, and I was like, huh. And she made a point of it in her Vogue interview. She actually her film, The Origins, which basically she shot. Her production company shot it in thirty set thirty six or thirty seven days, some ungodly length of time, short period of time, and. It actually was invited, selected to screen at that festival. Splashed all over the ta- all over the uh, papers and all over all over the news, and it was just apropos that she would also speak on the significance of the strike and why she is glad she actually number one she got the film in before she actually. The strikes actually happened in May. I think she they announced the blockbuster or the star-studded cast, Niecy Nash and Blair Underwood, to name a few, but they did it almost all overseas. And one of the things that struck me that she said if she had actually done it with a major studio, it would have been constrained and it would have been a whole different movie. And it may or may not have been even selected for Venice. She basically takes into her craft, like, it's an epic film, but it was shot within a very short period of time. And it was shot primarily on location overseas. If she had gone with the major studio, she said she would have had to have shot it all in Savannah, Georgia. Can you imagine the book is based on... uh, Wilkerson's 
book, The Cast, which looks at the comparison of the Indian caste system with how the Nazis treated other people of color and other races, in particular the, Jew, the Jewish population, and anybody that was different from the mainstream at that time. And they, and she basically made it into a narrative. What I, I found intriguing is the artistic director of the Venice Film Festival has been noted to pick and invite great films that go on to have great rewards. But then he also does some crazy things which points to the paternalistic, white paternal, privileged paternalistic views of this festival and how the incent, the uh, misogyny and just blatant racism is allowed to exist in certain areas where it should not exist. They said this director has been given props for selecting films like Ava's, but it took them 80 years. But Roman Polanski and what's his name? Oh, what's the dude's name? Roman Polanski and Woody Allen have been extended in invitations in spite of their histories of assault and harassment. So go figure. There seems to be a lot of work to be done. I'm just going to read something that it makes me sad that I will always wonder how really it's like real, really successful African-American people of color, they have like this imposter syndrome. And I kind of get a niggle for that, but it, it does not stop Ava DuVernier. She says things, it's bittersweet because in saying that and celebrating myself, I have to acknowledge that eight decades, 80 years of absence. Certainly I'm not the first African-American woman who's had work worthy of being there. And so we have to acknowledge that there's a lack of inclusion and invitation for many people, for many women before me who should be here. So now that the door is open, I trust, I hope that it will be kept open. I'll be the first, but not the last. But it's hard to celebrate something like that because she is the first. And I think people have to just work hard um, and not use their own preconceptions that it's not going to be good for whatever reason. When it is good, she has the body of work to prove it. But she still feels that the stories that tell, the stories that are most and best representative of us still are not accepted in the mainstream, either nationally and definitely not on an international. And it took her basically shooting this and just a beautifully told story from what I understand, a beautifully told story that I hope will be screening or I can actually watch it online in due time here now that all of these strikes are over and that for once people will allow us to, how can I say this? People will allow 
us to tell our stories in such a way with attention to detail and not omission and not turn away. That's what she basically said um, in her interview. If she had been a maid to not, and if she was not allowed to produce this independently, it would have been just another, it would have been some type of weird snuff film because they started off with the murder of Trayvon Martin, but it ended up being, but it was not so sensationalized. It was done in a respectful manner. That's what makes me want to actually find out how I can watch it on, in my own time. But at the same time, it, barg it begs to bargain. I'm glad she got to get this film because it did give her a screening um, in Venice. Um, hopefully, maybe it'll even get another Oscar nod, like Selman did. They said it's an epic film, because you gotta be the joint to actually get invited to screen at Venice. So if it went, if it gets some things done there, let's see what it, if um, Hollywood, now that the barriers have been lifted and the strikes are over, is it enough time for submission for Oscar 2024? I don't know, I'm hopeful. Let's see, ride this out. The Shade Bunch, the Shade Bunch. I hope turning up for checks to pay for fake lifestyles were to be a part of the Shady Bunch. I'm still re-watching Real Housewives of Atlanta, and I'm thoroughly enjoying previous seasons still more than this past season 15. And... P. Willie G. Portia Williams Gabadia needs to come back on this show. We need to see how Pilar is and how much she's going to share of her new life as a Nubian queen that she is. I didn't realize just how pathologic Nene Leaks is, but I don't think the show. It would be kind of cool if they could figure out and if she would promise to consistently be a part of the show because when she shuts down, it really does become all about her. It didn't matter that Eva Marcel's grandfather had just was dying. It didn't matter that Greg Leakes was had cancer and he was foolishly not going to take chemo. It didn't matter. None of that mattered. It was all about Nene and her alleged and supposed betrayals. She just, from a psychological standpoint, she was just so unstable. But she had a, a role in the show, and it was definitely interesting when she was in it and was about it. And she just wasn't there to collect a check. Because that's what's led to the ruination of the last couple of seasons. People just showed up to collect a check, but there was no connection. But when she was connected to other castmates and they were vibing, it was something to watch. Because the BS that we were subjected to for the last two seasons was ridiculous. And I didn't realize Kenya was full of tomfoolery and foolishness how's she gonna come at and read people how's she gonna re-gift a whole 
doll. How is she going to steal the shine on Mike's proposal when old crooked head Mark Daly didn't even get down on one knee? She wanted, I think she subconsciously wanted to ruin Cynthia's proposal because that's the proposal that she thought she should have had. And she realized too late after he started treating her like crap. She's like one of those type of people that has to bring everybody to her level. And it's like she was maybe was subconsciously trying to get Cynthia back for having the love uh, and attention that she thought she deserved. So she was going to make her pay. And Cynthia is such a bad actress. She couldn't fool, but she really did almost ruin the proposal. Not just because she was over ego. I think she was really trying to sabotage her. Because it was just so stupid. Who would think that she says, oh, I'm going to say, I'm going to predict it. What? Was that going to make it more interesting? At the expense of Cynthia? That just was so dirty. And maybe I'm reading too much into it because I've watched this a number of times. But that's what it seems like. She wanted to insert herself into the shine at any cost. And she knew good and hell well that she didn't predict it or she felt it. Candy told her, Candy texted her. And in her zeal to be the center of that scene, she was going to sabotage it. And that's dirty. Oh, wow. Wow. That's dope. That's deep and villainous. And yes, she is a supervillain. I sit and rewatch previous years or seasons of Real Housewives, and I can truly say season, I thought season 13 was unlucky. That was the last season that Portia P. Willie G was absolutely a part of the show. And this was the last that they switched. And then also um, Cynthia left the show and they gave Marlo her peach. It's confusing to me that someone that never is married, she supposedly had two ectopic pregnancies, but she wasn't even really openly dating anybody on the show, so how did she get a peach? Besides of her association with being a long-term friend of the show, that's all she had. Marlo never made sense as a full-time cast member, maybe a full-time best friend of the show, but she doesn't even make, she doesn't make sense there without Nene being there. And it doesn't make sense for them to offer Sheree a peach because Sheree is only allies with people. The only friends that she may have had some true connection with and as a friend was Kim Zolciak. And it was obvious that Kim Zolciak was banned from the show. If the other cast members like Nene 
uh, was on the show, and even with Candy to a certain extent. And Kenya hated her too. It's just really disconcerting that these women were made a part of the show. And I sit here as I am still working on my, um, thinking about all of this because I'm still really into my script, The Old Ladies March on BravoCon. Um, I just made my own fresh tomato soup from tomatoes that I raised. And I can imagine one of the characters, I'm gonna call her Bryn because why can't you have a black character by the name of Bryn going out to her mother's or her mother's friend's gardens because they own a winery. That winery that I was thinking about looking into purchasing, Okoe Winery. But on the grounds, they have roses as well as a really dope garden made with tomatoes. But the difference is the tomatoes are growing out of ca um, ca containers off of the, um, the back patio. And she goes and picks her own fresh raised uh, oregano and thyme and basil to mix up with the roasted tomato soup that is served with fresh made bread, Texas toast, um, or excuse me, Texas toast brioche, grilled cheese and bake and thick cut bacon sandwich. Of course the bacon is sourced from local hog farmers. She doesn't pay a premium for it because of course the winery also owns the farm. They take the manure from the pigs and they actually fertilize the grapes. That would be dope. Same thing with the cows. They raise premium uh, grass-fed cows that are also butchered and raised specifically to for the restaurant, for the winery. Again, the manure is processed on site and also used to fertilize. Same thing with the chickens. Everything is locally sourced. Everything is sustainable and gardening. And this is how a koi is pretty much a self-contained microcosm. No use, they don't use chemicals, they use natural sustainable processes um, to uh, treat the land because they also understand that the land only yields as well as it's taken care of. And it needs to be allowed to be um, come renewable. They have to allow the land to renew itself and you can't beat it to death and expect it not to yield great fruit. That's why this winery is the only 99 point award-winning red winery in the East Coast, especially in the South. Going up against some of the most renowned, world-renowned French brands and beating the hell out of them.
because if you close your eyes, you could almost hear the whistling of through the Swiss Alps, but this is what the best of Appalachia, and they made it proud. They are the, also the source uh, for Peter Thomas's, some of his wines, as well as the comeback for Bar One Miami. They are the uh, source for alcohol and actually for food for his restaurants that are shipped through Todd Tucker's shipping company. It pays to be a super fan with connections because a lot of those things are all sourced through a Koei winery owned by these OLG super fans of the show. This is the kind of stuff it would be dope to uh, learn about actually on the show itself, but I'm just glad they have given me ideas of how businesses and connections are not are only um, only certain degrees of separation. How dope would it be that you start off as a fan of the show, learn about all these separate businesses, make the connection, and then all of you get your bag. If they, that's one of the things that tripped me out of what Nene basically said. If all of them, but I think she had it wrong. She wanted them to basically selfishly and maniacally follow after her, suck up to her, keep the calm, be berated by her, but all of them were to get paid, but they could not, it just didn't make any sense to basically sell your soul to the devil in order to get a bag. That would not have worked because nobody could take her blue shouting them down in order to get a paycheck. And then nobody wanted to suffer her wrath when she was mad at them because they didn't treat her like she thought she should have been treated. This is a how a way that you can actually get the bag on the outside without having to break somebody down or tear somebody down. This is the way, or step on somebody in order to, to prosper. This is the, this make believe in my mind, this was a way that they all could have prospered. They all went to visit these wineries. Why couldn't they have also pooled their money to become partners in the winery? Why couldn't they also pool, become partners to be a source of uh, the um, food and drinks for all of the restaurants that they all, between Todd and Candy and Peter, could have also been successful, all self-contained, not just self-contained within the group, but also self-contained between Georgia and Alabama and Tennessee. That's how you basically have generational wealth getting good sources of food, making sure it's economical, and making sure the collective will prosper from it without having to cut somebody up or tear somebody down or cut somebody out. That was the whole, that backbiting, the stuff that was happening on the back end, I'm sure is what has destroyed the show and made it to the nonsense I'm seeing now. Because this season 14, that is, this is was truly the beginning of the end, watching Drew and Ralph gaslight each other at her act and burst out in tears when she didn't get her way like Lucille Ball. 
And Miss Eva, she should have been on this ep on this uh, season because I think she would have been a fine balance. But she, I don't think she would have made sense without Cynthia. And I can also tell one of the reasons why they would not have highlighted or showcased Kenya because she was mean to production. Remember when she was cussing them out and flicking them off when she basically lost her mind on Shamia in Houston? They have long memories too. They don't forget how you badly you treated him. And then she's wondering, I can't understand why they won't, they wouldn't support me and show the process of my business. Yeah, because you were cussing them out and flicking them off. Nobody gonna tolerate that. But I also think she wouldn't have tried them if Carlos King was still a part of the production staff. That's the other thing. If it becomes a Carlos King production and they really, and you really trusted, or you found somebody that they actually truly trusted, equivalent or even more so, then you could actually rebuild the show. But this cast of just alliances, nah, you can't have casts, you have to have people with true friendships and people that are willing to share deep, some real true details of their life. That's why Sonya Richards Ross doesn't make sense because she's aligned herself with Marlo and Sheree and needs, but she does not have the deep connection that she, it would require for that to make it a true show. I don't trust Sheree. I think whatever she does is fake. I definitely don't trust Marlo because she is just the best friend. She does not deserve to have a peach. And I think her alliance, this is Sonya Richards Ross, alliance with those two fools makes it difficult for her to actually develop a true friendship with even Candy. But I think Candy was so burned by the Phaedra Parks fiasco, I don't think she will ever have that depth of a friendship because she can't trust any, she doesn't really trust anybody. I like her and everything, I think she's talented, but I don't think she will absolutely have that deep connection because she was burned so badly by Phaedra Park. And it continued. She almost destroyed her career, her brand and everything. And I think that is what is so unforgivable about it. However, with those things said, I would really find interesting if uh, Riley, um, see what's going on with Ace and that um, her twin, or even with Todd Tucker. Involving the men is actually a good thing and their relationships with each other. The only person that they needs to be left out of that is Ralph because I think he's a fake. I'm really wondering if they could bring back Eva, how she would really interact with Drew, but if Drew can't be real, she doesn't deserve to be on this show. And, if, and Sheree is not only gonna reveal as much as she can, but people that will keep her popping in and in line would be Nene. Nene would actually have to become to work and to be take direction. 
and she can't start being cold and cut out and making it all about about her when that's not the 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 whole thrust of the show if she's willing to open up and be real and not be uh, have some type of conspiracy theory against her people trying to destroy her making it all about her it would actually work but this cast as it sits does not make sense that squawking chihuahua of Sheree's friend doesn't need to be on the show. That make-believe cousin of Ralph doesn't need to be on the show. Ralph doesn't be, need to be on the show. <laughs> it would be kind of dope if Ty was actually dating Drew and they could be an open couple because I think Ty is a great, is a great um, basketball player. If they would bring Mimi Faust and they got back together, she would be a dope housewife. But all of this make-believe and people that don't really are making up storylines and digging up crap, I don't care. Who would be dope would be Monietta, Eva, And Cynthia, now that Eva and Cynthia are single, that would be kind of cool. That's how you bring back OGs and people. And Claudia, they need to reintroduce all these people and get rid of some of this dead weight dumbness because that would actually make sense and people that are truly friends, because I believe Claudia um, and Kenya are truly friends, as well as Cynthia and Eva are truly friends off camera. We need to see more of Nick, uh, Lake Bailey and the Bailey cube. But this other fake crap with Sheree and the sipping saw and the child that may not be, I don't need to see that mess. Plus, I'm not a, really a fan of Sheree's anyways, but that's just me. And that's it for this episode of Tenfro is Reading. You know, I talked cash-ish all last year. I hope the listening audience will continue to enjoy my opinion and not so subtle shade. I mean, I'm 2,000 listeners per episode in, so go run tell that haters. I may take it on the road if I get hint hint sponsorship. Navigate to dalesangelsinc.blog for swag and extended podcast notes. Don't forget to hit like or leave a five-star review. It gets me on top of the algorithms, and it may just get you on my show. 2023's motto is boss up and get the bag. And as always, tell a friend, and thank you for listening.